0: Incredible, incredible. Uh, Because it's gotten so big, we actually are making it two nights this this uh, time around and so we have Thursday night and Friday night exact same thing so there's a, a big thing and then an after party afterwards I want to encourage you to come come Thursday night you'll see how awesome it is then you'll invite all your friends on Friday night I promise you that it'll be incredible also we made this announcement last week because our church is is growing so much there's so much happening here because you guys are so good at inviting your friends your family your co-worker the people you don't like because you want to see God change them so you will actually will like them like because you guys have been so good at that. Our church is growing at a rate that is kind of a little crazy right now. In fact, we, we had like 30 or 40 people sitting in our offices last service, watching from our offices because there was no room in the last service. And so uh, starting in two weeks, yeah, which is pretty amazing. Starting in two weeks, we're adding uh, actually our fifth service. It's going to be a second Saturday night service at uh, 4.30 and then also at 6.15 p.m. And so I want to encourage you, if you come to the 11.30 service, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you would take a chance and uh, maybe come to Saturday night and help open up some more seats on Sunday morning. And here's the deal. I'll bribe you. To come to Saturday night, I'll feed you pizza and ice cream after every service that you come to. We have everything that we have on Sunday morning just better with pizza and ice cream. So you guys are missing out on that because you come to 1130 on Sunday. You could be coming to 430 or 615 on Saturday and getting something, a little, something, something extra, you know what I'm saying. So uh, anyways, we'd love for you guys to do that. We began this series last week called What Are You Waiting For?, And uh, this series is all about taking your next step. It's about stepping out of faith. It's about living a life outside of your fears. And in my studying, it's something I said last week, but it's just been on my mind because out of the 125 uh, commands or imperatives that Jesus gave while he walked this earth, out of the 125 things he told people, hey, these are some things you need to do, 21 of those dealt with the subject of fear. It said, fear not, or, or don't be afraid, or take courage, or, or take heart. Jesus talked a lot about fears. In fact, he talked about your fears more than any other subject. In fact, the most popular item that people like to bring up that Jesus talked about was love God and love your neighbor. And he only talked about that eight times. So I'm not saying that the amount of times signifies the value of a subject, but what it does say is that Jesus understood that our fears would impact our lives a lot. And so Jesus didn't skirt around this issue. He actually addressed the issue of fears over and over and over again. And we said last week, the goal uh, is not that we would uh, get rid of, like our fears would be eradicated, that we wouldn't have any fears in life. The goal of this series is not to fear less, but the goal of this series is that we would learn to trust God more in life. That's the goal for every single one of us is not that we would fear less, but that we would trust God more. Because if you're facing some fears today, if you're facing some things that have got you all kind of tore up inside, the Bible would actually say, you don't really have a fear problem. What you actually have is you have a faith problem. And so our goal here is is how do we help you build your faith so that you can overcome your fear? fears with your faith. And so the question I want to ask you today is this, and it's in your notes, is your faith bigger than your fears? Is your faith bigger than your fears? I think this is an important question for us to be asking ourselves wait where am i at are my fears bigger than my faith or is my faith bigger than my fears now what's interesting is science has done a lot of research on this subject of fears in fact um there there's a lot you can go online you can watch cnn documentaries about fear they actually say that you are born with just two fears there are two natural fears that every single one of us have. And they actually did all these studies back in the 1960s on babies. And they found out that, that we're born with just two fears. One is the fear of falling and the other is the fear of loud noises. Now, I don't know who got the job of scaring babies, but that sounds like a terrible job. Like, hey, what do you do for a living? I scare babies all day. And how many babies are like jacked up because of that today? Some of you all are like, I was born in the 60s. I was a part of that stuff. No, I'm like, But you start to think about that. We're only born with two natural fears, which means that every other fear that we have in our life, we've learned or acquired. I don't know if you realize this, but every other fear that you have besides loud noises and falling off things is something you've picked up along the way in this thing called life. And so today I wanna, I wanna talk particularly about one fear and it's called the fear of the unknown. And it's a fear that you, you would look at and you go, man, that's a pretty broad subject. But what you'll see is this fear of the unknown is littered throughout scripture. And if you wanna turn to your Bibles, To Exodus chapter 16 is where we're going to be hanging out. We're going to be hanging out between Exodus chapter 16 and Exodus chapter 3. And the story of the Exodus is the story of the children of Israel being rescued from 400 years of slavery, being brought into the promised land by a guy named Moses. And throughout this process, a lot of you guys have seen the Disney movie, The Prince of Egypt. What happens is, is Moses goes to Pharaoh and goes, Pharaoh, let my people go. And all these crazy plagues happen. And eventually the Israelites are freed. And throughout this journey from, from Egypt to the promised land, they're faced with a whole bunch of fears of the unknown that they're going to have to overcome. And more often than not, they fail the test throughout this story. And they learn a lot about themselves in this process, but even better than that, they learn a lot about their God throughout this story. And so what happens is they're freed from Egypt and I'm gonna kind of set this up for Exodus chapter 16. They're freed from Egypt and the first, first kind of scenario they come to is they've just seen God do all these incredible miracles of freeing them from 400 years of slavery and they come to this place called the Red Sea where they've kind of got their backs up against the wall. They've been traveling for three days. They've watched God do miracles over the last couple of weeks. Three days in, all of a sudden the Egyptian army is coming after them to enslave them again. And you would think after seeing God do all of this miraculous work, they'd be full of faith, they'd be full of trust. They'd be like, man, God has got this, but they're not. They're actually terrified and they're afraid. And what do they do? They start complaining to God. God, why? They actually complain to Moses. Why would you bring us out here to die? And Moses takes his staff and he touches the Red Sea and it parts and they cross through the Red Sea, through safety, arrive on the other side. The Israel army or the Egyptian army is crushed by the Red Sea. They get to the other side. They're celebrating God. They're overwhelmed by God's graciousness and faithfulness in their life. And you would think, man, they're on cloud nine. Then what happens next? They get lost in the desert. They get lost in the desert, and you would think that they would be like, man, I know that God's going to show up. I know that God's got me. He just saved me from Egypt. He just saved us in the Red Sea. He's got me in here. But what do they do? They start complaining again. And God shows up to guide them through a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day and is leading them along the way. And you would think at that point, man, God has shown up in Egypt through the Red Sea. Now he's visibly present in their life. Leading God them by day and night, you would think they'd be full of faith, but what happens next? They get thirsty. And they go, I don't, we don't know. They have this fear, they don't know, we don't know where, where we're going to get our next drink from. And they start whining and complaining again, and, and God all of a sudden makes water come from a rock. Like how awesome is that? How many of you guys have ever seen water just supernaturally appear out of a rock? Okay, no service has seen that yet. I mean, pretty miraculous. Um, And all of a sudden, they're like, like, oh my gosh. You would think that they'd be overwhelmed. They'd be like, man, this is a God that we can trust. He's got us. But what happens next? They get hungry. And they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. And you see over and over and over again, this cycle It's important for you to note this, and this is not in your notes, but it's so critical for your faith, is that this, is fear is a mind killer. Fear is a mind killer, and the reason it's a mind killer is because fear erases God's past faithfulness in your life. That's what fear does. What it does is that if you'll start to begin to forget God's past faithfulness, you won't trust him for future things. If you can't remember what God has done, and this is the problem with the Israelites is they just watch God do all of these things and they almost forget like instantaneously what God just did and then they can't even trust him for the next moment. And so here they are, they're hungry. We pick up in Exodus chapter 16 in verse two and it says in the desert, the whole community. So we're not talking like one or two people complaining. We're talking like a million people complaining, grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the Israelites the Israelite said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. It says, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So check this out. 400 years enslaved. Scholars believe that they're about 12 weeks into this journey. And they're already like, hey, can we go back to slavery? Can we go back to that life? Can we go back to that? They're willing to forego their newly found freedom to go back to a painful, terrible life that while it was terrible, it was predictable. You want to know why some of you continue to to make the same decisions you've always made of going back into that terrible relationship, continuing to suffer in your career, continuing to have problems in your marriage? You want to know the reason why? It's because you choose to. You choose to. What you do is you make the choice that you would rather stay in the predictableness of your past, no matter how painful your past is, no matter how terrible it is, because it's known to you. You know exactly what you're going to get from those things. See, fear is a lot like offense. Fear, what it does is is it, it creates some limits in your mind. See, what what fear does is it it establishes limits in your life. See, we have have a fence like this. We have a Great Dane, and so we have a fence like this at home, and, and we know that when we open up our back door, like our Great Dane's gonna go outside. He's gonna be in a safe, predictable environment. We know exactly what is in our backyard and where trouble is and where it's not, and we know that that is a safe place. What we don't know is what's outside of our backyard. See, for him, that's his limitation in life that we have established. But what we do as individuals is our fears start to create our own limitations in life. And so what that means is if you're afraid of heights, you stay low. If you're afraid of people, you stay alone. If you're afraid of failure, you don't try. Why? Because fear is constantly establishing these limitations in your life. It's why I believe so many people are living mediocre lives today. It's because the fear has established these limits of mediocrity in life. It's why I see so many mediocre marriages. It's why I see so many mediocre careers. It's why I see so many mediocre churches. It's why I watch so many mediocre lives. And and if you talk to people, you know, you start talking to them like, hey, how's your life? Oh man, it's all right. I mean, it could be better, but it's better than that guys. Like, I know I'm not exactly fulfilling my potential, but, but I know what I'm gonna get out of this life. I know what it's like. Like, like it would, it kind of scares me a little bit to venture outside of this because I've, I know this. See, I don't, I don't think anybody sets out to have mediocre goals I don't think that anybody sets out to have mediocre dreams. I don't think that anybody sets out to be mediocre because they're lazy in life. What happens is is fear creeps into your life and without you even realizing it, it establishes limits that keep you from living this incredible life that is right on the other side of that limit. I mean, I'll sit down with people and they'll be like, you know what, Pastor TJ, my marriage is struggling right now. And I'll be like, really? Man, I've got this great counselor that you and your wife could go to that'll absolutely change your life. And they'll be like, "Ah, that's okay. And I'll be like, what? Like, seriously? Like, this counselor will fix, no, no, no. But what happens if I go and it doesn't work? So you would rather stay in a marriage that you know is going down the tube than trust an unknown thing that could absolutely change everything. I talk to people that, that hate their careers. In fact, they are dreading Monday. They're like, oh, God, not another Monday. Please don't make me go to work. I hate those people. Some of y'all are like, that, That's you just read my mail. That's me. Like, you're living for the weekend. You're like, please let it be Friday so I don't have to do Monday. And I'll be like... Hey, why don't, why don't you apply for this other job? Or, or why don't you go back to school and get some more education? But, but what happens if I apply for that job and they don't call me for an interview? But what happens if they do? And a fear is just establishing limits in your life. And my prayer for you, church, my prayer for you as individuals is that, that you would trust God in some area that absolutely scares you to death and that you would take a step of faith in that area. And that you would just go, you know what, God, I, I'm going I'm to take a leap of faith outside of the limitations that I've set up myself. And I'm just going to trust you and I promise you this. You will have the greatest revelation of God when you take a step of faith and your faith matches God's faithfulness. Because when you step out in faith, what happens is it intersects with God's faithfulness. You'll know God more intimately. You'll experience his love in a greater measure than you have ever before. It'll be better than any sermon you ever hear me preach. Yeah, Yeah, it will. That just tells me you need to step out in faith. You've been listening to too many sermons and not doing enough of them. I'm just messing with you less. (laughs) But we've got to to take these steps of faith. And my prayer is that you will trust God in some area that absolutely scares you. Because I believe that in every single one of you, there's a life that is absolutely worth living. But you've got to trust God. And your faith has got to be greater than your fear. Fear. And here's what God is trying to show the Israelites over and over and over again throughout this entire journey and process is is this, is right on the other side of your fear is the freedom that you've always wanted. Like we've set up these limitations and, and right on the other side of this limitation is the freedom that every single one of us is looking for in life. See, God wants you to know you were created for faith, not fear. You were created in your DNA, in the way he formed you. You weren't created to live a fear-filled life. You were created to live a faith-filled life. And I believe that every one of us can take the fear that's within us and allow it to be fuel for our faith. Because what happens is, is when we get challenged to move beyond the limitations, what happens initially for all of us is we initially feel fear. And the reason we feel fear is because in that moment, we're trusting in our gifts, we're trusting in our strength and in our talent when really we should be looking to the one who holds it all and controls it all and that's God and we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and our eyes on him now i want to go back in this journey of the israelites because this is near the end of their story because their journey begins with fear that was overcome by faith through a man named moses and i believe that he's going to give us some keys so that we can move beyond the limitations that we've created to allow our fear to become fuel for our faith. And so Exodus chapter three, starting in verse nine, and it says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. This is God talking to Moses. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites out of Egypt. Now it's interesting. Every time you see God show up in people's lives, he always shows up. He challenges them, and then he gives them direction. He says, hey, I want you to go. And where I'm calling you to go is always outside of your comfort zone. It's always outside of your limitations. And here's what happens to Moses, and I think that what happens for most of us, we respond the way he does. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Bring the, and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. Now, very interesting, God never says that you won't fear. God never says that everything's gonna go perfect. What God says is that I will be with you. Some of you need to hear that today because you're afraid to take that step and God's going, hey, hey, listen, I've got you. I've got you. And it continues on, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose, like he's not even convinced yet. He's like, just, let's just say for instance, God. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you, to which I'm sure Moses goes, hey God, thank you so much. That clears everything up for everyone. <laughs> Like that was crystal clear. Nobody's going to have any questions beyond that. I mean, they're just, they're going to take that at at your, you know, I am who I am. Yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to read the Bible and be like, I would have questioned that too. Like I would have, like, I'm not like, you know, can anybody identify with Moses there? It's like, man, that was, appreciate that God. But see what's happening here is there is an initial wave of fear that comes over Moses. And immediately he goes to the what if scenarios. He goes to God, well, what if they ask who sent me? What, what if I go to Pharaoh and, and he rejects this? What if this and what if that? And I don't think you and I are any different. We're going through things in life that we're scared to death of that God is calling us into. And we're automatically going, well, what if? We know that we're to be healthy in life and, and we're thinking about starting a diet, and, but we're saying to ourselves, but, but what if I start a diet and I don't lose weight? Or our marriage is a mess and we know that we should probably go to some counseling and get some help. And, but you're going, well, what if I do that and it doesn't help my marriage? Or you know that your financial life is, is in ruin right now and they keep talking about going to this financial peace connect group at church. And you're like, but, but what if I go to that and I don't get out of debt? And what happens is is we start playing all these what-if scenarios in our life. And have you ever noticed that as you start listening to those voices, what starts out as a mole all of a sudden turns into a monster in your life? You went from like, what if uh, that person doesn't like me? To what if everybody hates me? And like your imagination just runs wild. In fact, I put it like this. Fear always thrives in the darkness of your imagination. The longer you allow those what-if scenarios, they just continue to build and build and build in your life until it's like trying to take a mountain instead of a molehill. So watch what happens to Moses, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, "'What if they don't believe me or listen to me "'and say the Lord did not appear to you?' Then jumping down a few verses, "'Moses said to the Lord, "'O oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, "'neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant.'" I am slow of speech and tongue. So Moses goes from, "God, what if they don't believe me?" to all of a sudden, "God, I'm not enough for you to use me." Because what happens is in our imagination, it moves us from what-if scenarios to all of a sudden we start to look at ourselves. And the problem is is when we look at ourselves, we know ourselves. Like I know where I've screwed up. I know what I've messed up in. I know where I've disqualified myself in my eyes. And all of a sudden I start to look at that and I go, I've screwed up in life. And what happens is is Moses has moved from I've screwed up in life to I'm a screw up. And I think we do the same thing a lot of times. We, we have a past, and so maybe we lied at one point, and, and that was something that we did. And because shame has taken over our lives, all of a sudden, instead of it being something that we did, we start to identify ourselves. I'm a liar. I'm not qualified for that anymore. And some of you need to hear this today because you've taken something that you have done, and you've made it your identity. And your identity now is caging you in, and that is not who God says you are. That is not who God has called you to be. That is not how God sees you in life. In fact, God starts to address this with Moses. He said, the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. What God is saying, God's going, man, Moses, I've called you to this. I will equip you for it. I think what God is saying to Moses right here is he's saying, Moses, do you want this? Do you you really want this? And and Moses is going, of course, God, I want this. I've, I've wanted this all of my life. My dream has always been to free my people. God, I want this so bad, but I just thought that I would be able to do it in the comforts and confines of what I know and can control. which I think is how a lot of us feel as well. You have dreams, you have goals, you have aspirations, and they are holy. But you want them within the comforts and confines of what is known. And God says, I've got a process to your dream, your goal, your aspiration in life and that process is going to take you outside of what you currently know and force you to trust a God that you can't see for your dream. And for some of you, you're going to go that's too much for me. But what does Moses do? Moses takes his fear and uses it as fuel. To free millions of Israelites, he doesn't allow his fear to overcome him, but he uses it a few. Full. And I want to say to you today, man, you've got to fight your fear with faith. See, I think Moses came to this place where he realized my fear is temporary, but my regret will last forever. Like, someday I'm going to look back on this moment and I'm going to wish. If I don't trust God, that I would have. And let me say to you today, some of you, this is your moment. We're going to look back and realize that there is some fear that has encompassed your life. And has built some walls and has built some barriers. And God is saying today, man, you need to take that fear and allow it to be fuel to move in faith. So how do we turn our fear into fuel for faith? Really simple, but really hard. Number one, it's really quick. You have to identify the fear. You have to begin to identify the fear that is in your life because fear is a story we tell ourselves I don't know if you realize this or not but in your mind you're telling yourself a story right now that you're buying into hook line and sinker and so what happens for a lot of people is is they go I'm afraid why are you afraid like, have you journeyed beyond I'm afraid? I learned this in counseling. I went to my counselor and I said, hey, we just lost our son. I'm really sad. He goes, I can't help sad. He goes, man, you got to dig deeper and you got to figure out why are you sad? What is causing that sadness in life? What, wh- where did that come from and why is that happening right now? And if we don't start to dig deeper and identify what is at the root of that fear, we will never defeat that fear in our life because you can't defeat an enemy that you have not identified. Ooh, yeah. And so you gotta dig in and go, man, am I, fear, am I afraid of failure? Am I afraid of intimacy? Am I, am I afraid of, of people? What, what is it I'm afraid of? And will you do the work to do some self evaluation to discover what is the root issue that I'm dealing with right here? What is the, what is the thing that is building the limits on my life? And why is that limiting my life? What has transpired? What do I need to overcome? Because until I identify it, I can't defeat it. You need to identify the fear. Number two, got to trust what God says. Because how do you overcome fear? You overcome fear with truth. The Bible says the truth that sets us free. And here's, here's my pet peeve. So many people are waiting to hear God's voice. God I, God, I need your voice to tell me to move forward. I need your voice to tell me to move forward. The problem is, is God has already given you a verse. See, God, God has already spoken a whole bunch of things. It's called his word. And he's already given you a verse and his verse is his voice. And he's speaking every single day. And the problem is, is we're so illiterate to what God has already said, we don't know what to do today. Oh, man, I'm preaching good right now. <laughs> and so what you're following is you're following your intuition, which is great, but it isn't truth. Yeah. You're following your feelings, which are, are really nice, but they're wild and irrational. Yeah. You're following your friends. You're following Oprah. How many husbands has that lady had? None. <laughs> Given her marriage advice, <laughs> Oh, oh! Magazine says this, yeah. You're following all these other things instead of following the book that can actually transform your life. Do you know that there's over 7,000 promises in this book for you? But if you don't know them, you can't take them and apply them to your life. You can't, when something comes against you, you don't realize that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. See, when life is chaotic, you don't realize that you have a peace that surpasses all understanding living within you. See, so you don't understand that when you're in the middle of trouble, God says, I'm actually upholding you in my righteous right hand because you've never read that before. See, so you don't know when, when chaos and, and, and all these things are happening, what God actually says. And so you're flowing with your feelings instead of flowing through faith. And the Bible actually says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so some of us today, it's one of the reasons why we give you these daily devotionals. It's not so we can print more material and spend more money. It's so we can help you know God in what he's saying. Yeah, sitting on every single one of your chairs. Oh, is that what's under my butt right now? Yeah, it's God's word. The problem is a lot of us are sitting on it instead of standing on it. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Jesus! About to get Pentecostal in here. <laughs> so we got to identify the enemy. Number two, we got to trust what God says. Number three, man, you got to surround yourself with the right people. As Moses is telling God all of these, I'm not qualified, I can't talk. In verse 14 of Exodus chapter 4, God says, man... Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak. Well, behold, he's coming out to meet you. God says, listen, I know you're not supposed to do life alone. I said from the very beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. Listen, I'm going to hook you up with some people that are going to be in your life. They're going to propel you forward. They're going to encourage you. They're going to speak into you. They're going to breathe life into you. Listen, a lot of you are doing life alone, and you're wondering, why am I not having the breakthrough, and why am I not overcoming all these things? Because you got the wrong people in your life. You're a sum total of your relationships. Who you're surrounding yourself with is who you're going to be like. And if you don't like your life, change your friends. But I've been around them all my life, and you're still in the same spot. Is that helping you? It's one of the reasons why we tell you over and over again, get into a connect group, get into a connect group, get into a connect group. It's not because I like connect groups. It's because I like you. It's like I know the power of relationship. Relationship. I know the power of people that are speaking God's truth into your life instead of their feelings or their ideas. It changes everything. So what we encourage you, men, get into a group. You can keep that, that's for you. Uh, you didn't get into a group. You didn't know that. That was supernatural right there. God just it bounced to you. It's perfect. Like find some people. It's guys, especially, man, you, you guys, man, I'm going I'm to do this on my own. Stop being a joker, man. Seriously, man, wake up. I know you think it's cool to, to trudge along on your own. No, that's called stupidity. You might find there's some other people that have gone down that path that can help you make some better turns than the turns you're making today. Find some people in your life. Find some men. Find some women. Find some couples. Married people. Promise it will do so much for you. Number four, and this is the most important one. Really, it's, it's most critical. Number four, you've got to live in God's love. 1 John four eighteen says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. God's Love drives out fear. And what i found for my life is when I start to begin to take my eyes off of God's love, all of a sudden fear starts creeping up in my life. When I start to take my focus on how off, how much God loves me, all of a sudden, man, all kinds of things in my life begin to be in flux. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that are in flux in life, in my life. And one of the major things that's in flux in my life is my emotions. Like one day I I trust God, I'm like, God, I'm your boy, holler at me, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. And the next day I'm like, is there a God? Why, because if I live by emotions and what I see, then I'll be all over the place. But when I keep my focus, when I keep my attention, when 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 I'm constantly committed, To seeking out and understanding and knowing God's love, it changes everything. That's why verses like Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, 38 and 39, 38 and 39. Sorry, I get those mixed up sometimes. First four words are so critical for I am convinced. I am convinced. I have to to get in God's word every day to to remind myself, to convince myself that nothing can ever separate me from God. God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that revelation of God's love comes through a relationship. It's revealed in Christ Jesus, and the only way it's revealed in Christ Jesus when you actually have a relationship with God and you understand that God loved you so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price for your life, the price of his son. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend is what the Bible says. And God said, man, I'll lay down my, my, the greatest thing I have, which is my son, for your life. That's how much I love you. And if we'll get a revelation of God's love and understand that his love and when we're in it, it drives out fear because we can trust the God that is always on the lookout for us. Would you guys bow your heads in? Pray with me here today. God, I thank you so much that you're a God that loves us so much. That you realize that we would deal with these limitations that are caused by the fear in our life. And that fear would creep in and it would start to take over and it would keep us from the life that you've always called us to. And for some of us out there, we've been living some confined lives. We've been limited in life based on the fears. And I believe that God today wants to set some of us free. He wants to bring his love into our life and allow that love to overcome those fears so we can take steps of faith to follow and trust him. But the greatest step that we could possibly take is to begin a relationship with his son, Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you've never began that journey of faith to knowing this God that would pay the ultimate price for your life. Or maybe you knew him at one time, but you've walked away and you say, you know what, I I need to come back into that kind of relationship. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe that's you here today, and you say, Pastor TJ, I I need that relationship. I want to begin that relationship with God today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you just slip your hand up on the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Kyle, would you lead them in a prayer here?